We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, on this wonderful Sunday morning. Uh, Wonderful to see all of your smiling faces. So, what, let me ask this question. How many of you have a will, a last will and testament? Okay, okay. Um, It's a good thing to have, and you're probably thinking, why in the world is our pastor asking us if we've got a will? Well, here's the reason why. It's because we want to think through what are the things, what are we going to leave behind for those that come after us, right? Uh, and, and I think that the older we get, the more we think about those kind of things, and especially when you start thinking of generational, you think of your kids, grandkids, maybe some of you have great-grandkids. Um, it starts to go through your head, what are the things that I am going to leave behind after I leave this earth. So, we're going to do a mental exercise today. And you're thinking, we're way too tired to do mental exercises. You'll be all right, right? Here's what I want you to do. Uh, I I want you to think about what you want to leave behind for your kids or your grandkids or your great grandkids. And, and, and for the sake of this, this mental exercise, I want you to set aside uh, um, um, faith and Christ. So let's, let's, we're going to talk about that in our, in our reading today and in our sermon today. So let's set the spiritual aside for a minute. Think through in your mind, what would be something that you would really like to leave behind for your kids, grandkids, or great-grandkids? Okay? So hopefully things are going through your head right now. Uh, maybe, it's a, maybe it's a wedding dress or a wedding ring, right? That would be really fun to leave behind for, for your daughter or your granddaughter, right? Uh, maybe some of you are fortunate enough to have some kind of awesome sports car, right? Maybe you'd like to leave a sports car behind for your kids or your pastor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? But maybe, maybe that's what it is, right? Maybe you're going you're gonna to leave this, like, maybe you love vehicles, right? And say, I want to I leave that behind for my kids and my grandkids that come after me. Uh, maybe some of you are, are just very practical and say, you know what? I, uh, my, my hope is that through all the hard work and the ways that God has blessed me and the management of the blessings that God's given me, that I'll be able to leave behind some finances for my kids, Right? That I'll be able to, to, to leave something for them to get started. Maybe when uh, we, we think about the rising cost of homes and how expensive it is just to live, maybe your, your, your thought in your mind is, if I can leave behind a chunk of cash for my kids, they'll be able to buy their first home, right? So maybe it's phys- physical, maybe it's earthly things, maybe it's, uh, um, maybe it's a class ring, uh, maybe it's something that you have received from your grandparents or great-grandparents. Maybe it's a, an heirloom piece of furniture in your house that you just you can't wait for the next generation to have. And, and in some ways, you just pray that they're going to cherish it like you do. So maybe it's a physical thing, but maybe it's broader, broader than that, right? Maybe what you really hope to instill in your kids and your grandkids is, is a, a view of life. Maybe a, a certain work, work ethic. Uh, maybe it, it's how to treat people and, and the, the world in which you live. So did you think of the thing that you would hope to leave behind? I want you to put a pin in that for now, okay? Just hold on to it. You could even write it down on your bulletin if you want or just make a mental note of it. 
I think that's pretty common for us at different points in our lives to ask of ourselves, what are we going to leave behind? And in this sense, what am I going to bless the next generation with? I'm guessing that of all the things that you put pins in in your own mind, none of you said, I hope that I'm going to leave behind some secrets. Did anybody, like, I hope that I'm going to leave behind all kinds of mystery and secrecy for my children. That probably wasn't the case, right? There's a story that I read recently uh, about a family who lost their father, right? So uh, their, their dad died and they were doing what families do after the loss of a loved one, especially uh, someone that was elderly like him. And they started going through all of his things and kind of started categorizing things and looking at, at what he had left behind. And, and they went through all this stuff and there was no surprises. It was all that, what they expected. In fact, he had a will, right? So, so all of those things were kind of laid out in that will. So... They're going along, and, and, it's, and it was sad, and, but there were happy tears as they were looking at all this, these things that, that their father had left behind and as they were going through the will. Um, but as they went through his items, they found in a kind of a back drawer tucked away an envelope filled with stones that looked like this. And so they looked at him, and they're like, what is going on here? And they asked their mom, and she said, I don't, I don't know what those are. I can't say that I've ever actually seen them. And so they looked a little bit closer and realized that they were some kind of gemstone. In the end, they, they actually are, are blue sapphires. And so in the back of his safe, their dad had an envelope with blue sapphires. So now, what do you think is going through their mind? They're probably thinking, like, what, didn't, what else don't we know? Like, was, was he like, uh, was he a jewel thief? Like, what, what was he doing like in his former life? Like, we've missed out on all of this stuff of our dad and like, this is just tearing apart our, our, our understanding of who he was and what he left behind. And so, so they're looking at this and inside the envelope, uh, apart from the blue sapphires, uh, was a letter and they open the letter and they read the letter and, and it was a letter uh, um, to a jeweler specifically about the blue sapphires asking what they were and if there was any value to them. Well, that brought a little bit of recollection from the man's wife, and she's like, oh, I think I do know what those were. So the story comes out through letters in the safe and things like that, that their dad on his, what they call a gap year, right? So he had gone to university, he'd taken a year off, and he had traveled much of the world. And on his way back, so he was from, uh, from London, so on his way back to the UK, he stopped in Bali, and when he was in Bali, he got sold some blue sapphires, okay? So the goal was, I'll buy these blue sapphires, these raw, uncut blue sapphires. I'll bring them back home to the UK. I'll sell them. I'll make a nice profit. Well, he came back to the UK, brought them to a jeweler. And you want to know what the jeweler told him about the blue sapphires? They weren't sapphires. <laughs> and they weren't worth hardly anything. And so what they found out was their dad was so upset uh, and, and he had been ripped off from so much money uh, that he couldn't bear himself just to like throw them in the trash. So he, he simply tucked them in the back of the safe and just never thought about them again, <laughs> right? What do we want to share or leave behind for our family, for our kids and our grandkids? This father was really hoping <laughs> that he was leaving behind a treasure, some finances for them. In the end, they weren't worth a whole lot. They're worth a pretty good story, and it kind of shook up his family a little bit. Um, 
but they didn't have a whole lot of value. Today, we want to ask ourselves, um, not only what do we want to leave behind for our kids and our grandkids, but even more importantly from our text here today, we can ask of ourselves, what does God want for us? How does God want to bless us? What does God leave behind, in a sense, for us as believers? Book of Numbers is going to tell us exactly what God leaves behind. Most importantly, uh, um, how long it lasts and the impact that it has on us as believers. So let's jump into our text from the book of Numbers. Uh, here's where we're headed. If some of you like to know a little bit of the meandering pattern of my sermon, uh, this is kind of where we're going to go. Uh, we want to talk about God's blessing on you. Okay. Uh, we want to ask what, is, what, what, what it is. Number two, how it comes to us. Right. So how do we get it? Number three, the change it creates in our Christian living. Okay. So those are going to be kind of the three things we want to look at from our text here today. Uh, now, before we jump into that text, um, I mentioned that uh, it, was, it was a familiar text to you, I, and I would guess that it is. I, I, I don't know which one is maybe more familiar worldwide, uh, the, the Lord's Prayer or this ironic blessing, um, but my guess is those are probably the two biggest ones. So even your unbelieving family, friends, um, people throughout the world, my guess is if they have ever heard a portion of the Bible... It's either the Lord's Prayer or it is from the book of Numbers, what we call the Aaronic Blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you, okay? And so that's, that's what our text is going to be today. Um, and here's the real beautiful thing about this. That text was given by God to Moses and Aaron. And here's the even more remarkable thing. That Aaronic Blessing has been spoken at the end of worship services for more than 3,500 years so let's pause for a minute at that, right? How old is our country? Country before that, right? Before that, before that. For 3,500 years, believers have heard God's blessing, the Aaronic blessing spoken to them and over them in worship services. So from Judaism all the way through Christianity, it's one of the most common things that we'll hear in a, in a worship service. Today we get to ask ourselves, where did it actually come from, right? And that's what we want to dig into. It's beautiful. So let's look at our text. You're welcome to follow along with me if you'd like. Um, I'll have words on the screen, but you also can look at them in your bulletin. Uh, and I think there's always a little section where you can take notes and things like that if you'd like, like to do that as well. So I'm going to begin by reading verse 22 and 23. <clears throat> the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. Two things. When we think about God's blessing and pouring out his blessing on you, the first thing we look at is the Lord is speaking. It's remarkable, isn't it? Because understand the setting a little bit of where, where this text is taking place. Uh, the Israelites had been rescued from uh, um, slavery in Egypt. They are now wandering in the desert for 40 years. They have not entered the promised land as yet. So place yourself in that spiritual environment. Right? You've been rescued from the Egyptians. You've seen the power of your God and what he could do. You've seen plagues. One after another, so much so that the Pharaoh finally said, gone with you. 
leave. I want nothing to do with you. Jews, as many as two million by some estimates, leave. You see, you see your God above, right, as a pillar of fire, um, um, parting the Red Sea. Finally, you're in the wilderness. God sets up worship at the tabernacle. What does God say he wants to end each of those services with? It's these words right here. So it's a really interesting time in the life of God's chosen people, isn't it? They've been rescued from slavery, but they're not to the promised land yet. They're somewhere in between. I think there are times when we feel the exact same way, right? Somewhere in between. And so God comes to them, and these are not Moses' words that he made up. Moses didn't go to Aaron and say, you know what? We've got this worship thing going, but we need a really good closer. Let's, let's, let's figure out how we can close out each service that's really going to be just fantastic. We, we don't hear any of that, do we? These are not Moses' words. These are not Aaron's words. These are not words that they decided to finish out every single worship service with. These are God's words. He speaks to Moses and says, these are the words I want you to speak to my people. So that's the first thing. When we hear God's blessing, when you hear the Aaronic blessing, it's not Pastor Tim, it's not priest or rabbi or anyone else. These are God's words spoken to you. That kind of brings us to our second point at the beginning here, right? The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. Those are the words of our God above, spoken to you, (laughs) right? It's done in a church service. You're in a corporate setting with other people. But do you understand what God is saying to you? He's pouring out his blessing to each and every one of you individually. His words, his blessings, his power, right? Intended, intended for all. But this morning, and every time you hear it, intended for you, right? As big and as magnificent as our God is, and all the things that the Israelites had already seen him done, him do, now God comes to Moses and Aaron and says, now I want you to speak to my people individually. How do you think they might have felt that? As magnificent and large as God was, God wanted Moses and Aaron to end every single service as they wandered in the wilderness with a blessing to each and every one of them as individuals. So, spoken by God and his words, spoken for you and to you, right? Last thing is, it's a blessing. Now, we... I think on some level understand what a blessing is, but it is, it is bestowing good things on someone. I think so, we can probably highlight what a blessing isn't when we talk about a curse, right? So if you were to curse someone, you are, you are hoping, you are asking that bad things happen to them, <laughs> right? In fact, if, 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 you, if you place a curse on someone, you want bad things to happen to them repeatedly, okay? So that's what a curse is. Blessing is the opposite. 
This is God saying, I want good things to happen to you, to my people, repeatedly. And that's no small thing, is it? Especially coming from our God above. But that is his desire, is that you are blessed. Now, we're going to pull apart a little bit what that means, right? Does that mean that after I speak the words, the Aaronic blessing at the end of this service, you can check the account balance in your phone of your banking and say, wow, look at that. Ten grand just went into my account. Not necessarily, right? I think maybe the best picture is how a, and we're talking about the things that we're leaving behind. Remember those things I asked you to put a pin in? My guess is that you had a mental process through some of those. And there were things that you could leave behind for your kids and your grandkids. And you've maybe chosen not to. Because you want to know what love does? You want to know what parents and grandparents do? They do what's best for the generations that are to come after them. So, if you were a billionaire and you could leave behind billions of dollars for your kids, but you know that they wouldn't be able to handle it and likely it would ruin them and your grandkids, I'd argue you probably wouldn't do it because that's what love does. Love does what's best, right? That's the same truth for our God above. Our God views us as his children and wants to to bless us and pour out his blessings on us. And he does that in a multitude of ways, but far and above, the, the overriding motivation of our God above is love. And love does what's best. And so when we hear, when you hear God's blessing to you, Understand how deep and nuanced that is. Right? How his, his, his want, his desire is to bless us in a myriad of ways, but ultimately for it to be for our good, right? not our detriment. Okay, So that's what this blessing is. But then we ask ourselves a little bit, what does it look like? So let's look at verse 25 and 26. It says this, The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. In the Aaronic blessing, God's face shines on you and is turned towards you. And once again, let's put ourselves in the minds of the Israelites who are wandering in the wilderness a little bit. Uh, Because it was not just an uphill slope all the way through for the Israelites. They had seen God's power. They had seen his magnificence. They had seen uh, the miracles that he had produced. They, They had seen God sustain them in the wilderness for years and years. But it wasn't just a clear path the whole time. In fact, prior to God instituting the Aaronic blessing, do you know what event took place with the Israelites? Moses went up a mountain called Mount Sinai. And he was talking to God. And remember, this is the God that uh, Moses couldn't even see with in all of his glory or he would die. This is the God that Moses, as he was in his presence, actually uh, shone from God's glory after he left Mount Sinai. Moses went up to the top of Mount Sinai 
to listen to God in order to bring God's words to his people. He was gone about 40 days. By the time he got back down, do you know what the Israelites had done? They had said, you know what? That Moses guy, he's been gone a while. You know, it's like day 35. He's been gone a while. I don't even know if he's up there anymore. You know that Moses guy? He went up that mountain, but I don't know. Maybe God just like is on break or something like that. So within 40 days, the Israelites, before Moses even got back down off Mount Sinai, decided, we don't want to listen to Moses. We don't want to listen to our God any longer. We've got better ideas. Let's melt all of our jewelry. Let's fashion it into a golden calf. And let's bow down and worship that thing. That's what had happened already by the time that God institutes the Aaronic blessing. And so you've got to wonder just a little bit. As the Israelites hear these words, may God's face shine upon you. That in the back of their mind, they may have been wondering, is he sure? (laughs) What does this mean for me? What does this mean for us? Because do you remember that golden calf thing? Yeah, I do. Because it wasn't that long ago. And now God is saying that he is turning his face towards us. And is that a good thing? Or is that a bad thing? I think it's a question maybe they would have asked. But to be honest, I think maybe it's a question sometimes we ask of ourselves. When you think of the face of God, is it a smiling emoji or one of anger? When we think of being in the the face of God, in the presence of God, is that of great joy to you? Or are you scared? A little bit of trembling? I think it depends. Because the reality of it is, I think each and every one of us understand we are not a whole lot better than those Israelites in the wilderness. We may not have fashioned a golden calf that is set up in our homes today. But our temptation towards idolatry and towards worshiping and turning to the face of of ourselves and the things around us is as present for us as it was for the Israelites. And I think that ought at times to cause us to pause. When we choose to uh, bow down to, to face our own selfishness, our own sin, our own greed, our own lifestyles, our own intellect, our own reason, uh, um, all the things that we think we know better than our God above. As we turn to those things, the face of our God is behind us. And so when the Israelites heard that blessing, the Lord make his face shine upon you. My guess is there was probably a moment of pause. (laughs) Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Let me tell you, unequivocally, it is a good thing. You do not need to be afraid. You do not need to be frightened of your God's anger above. And I'll tell you, here's why. It comes in the very center of this text. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Lord, Lord, turn his face towards you and give you peace. Because of grace. When God looks at you, when God's 
face shines on you, when you hear the ironic blessing and his intent for good things for you in your life, the reason you, have, you need not doubt and have any fear is because of grace. The Israelites didn't know his name. We do. His name is Christ. Because of God's grace, because God himself, who instituted the ironic blessing, sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins. And so when you hear that ironic blessing, and when you see dead center in the middle of it, grace, you think of Christ and his perfection and his love and the forgiveness that you have and that flows from him. And so when God looks at you, he does not see the laundry list of sins that each and every one of us have. When God looks at you, he does not look at you in anger on the verge of smiting you. But he sees Christ and his graciousness and his love and the forgiveness that you have in him. So we can stand before our perfect righteous God and you can hear and receive God's blessing with joy and with confidence because of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Apostle Paul knew that as well. He says in Romans 5, 8, he says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why are you assured of God's blessing? Because Christ died for you. That's the beauty of the ironic blessing. That's the power of it. And it's not based on me, Pastor Tim, hoping good things happen for you. It's based on your God above, looking at you and seeing Christ and his perfection. And like a loving father above, desiring to pour out his gifts and his blessings on you and your living. That's the beauty of that ironic blessing. That's the joy that it has brought to believers for 3,500 years. But not only joy, it also changes you. In fact, I would argue every time you hear this blessing, it changes you. And it should change you, right? Because that's how powerful God's blessing is on each of us. And, and it, bless, it changes us, I think, in three different ways. It gives you peace. So the first is, I think, inwardly, right? When you know that your sins are forgiven and when that God's face shines on you and looks on you with love, it gives you peace. And that's not just uh, um, that you're not actively fighting with people. Remember, this peace in this blessing is the word shalom, and it means everything's in its place. It means that God has you in his hands and he does not make mistakes and he does not screw up, and he is going to continue to be with you all the way to eternity. And so you have peace. A peace which our world could use a lot more of, right? What does it look like? I think in our Christian living, it looks like us not overreacting or blowing up at people. I think in our culture and in our word, world, it means that we as believers find our strength and our value in our God above and his view of us in Christ. Not in the size of our bank account, not in the respect that we, that we have at work, not in our careers, not in how, how great and incredible and, and talented our kids are, 
Not in any of those things. But when we have peace, when we have shalom, we understand that our value is found in no other place other than Christ and his love for us. And that absolutely changes us and how we act and how we treat people and how we view the blessings that God pours out on us in our lives. Okay? So the first thing is, it gives you peace, right? It changes your heart and that changes your life. Oops. But the second one is, it also changes your name. In fact, we had a beautiful example of it in baptism today, right? When God came to Cadence and places his name on her heart, right? Why does water in the word have power? Because our God above stands behind it and behind her and makes her a part of God's family. Well, the same is true for you. See, God has not only changed our hearts and, and given us peace, but he's also changed our status. So now you're a child of God, right? God's name has been placed on you, and that's kind of a double-edged sword at times because it, 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 it ought to inspire us to live up to the name that has been placed on each and every one of us. And at times, it will also cause us to think through how we're acting and the words we use and the ones we choose not to. But that ironic blessing assures you of peace and it reminds you of your status. Children of your God, forgiven, right? And the last one, <clears throat> not only are you blessed, but guess what you have an opportunity to be? A blessing, right? You are blessed by your God above and you hold dearly to that peace and your status has been changed and now you have an opportunity to be a blessing to the world in which you live. And it's not the world that's happening right in here, right now. But it's the world out there. And you have opportunities in your workplace to pe treat people with respect and with love and with forgiveness. You have opportunities every day of your life to use your words to build people up, to, to, to inspire them, to, to love them, to convey peace and forgiveness to them rather than tearing them down, engaging in gossip, divisiveness, and always bad-mouthing. See, you have a distinct opportunity to be an actual blessing to the world in which you live. And you're able to do that because you're powered by your God above. Nothing less than God's words to you and the blessing he has been speaking over people and over believers for 3,500 years. Remember our sapphires? So, <clears throat> uh, a little disappointing from the dad because he thought they were absolutely worth nothing. Tucked them in the back drawer, didn't even want to see him again, was so disgusted that he had lost so much money. The kids looked at him and they're like, it was a beautiful story. It was a beautiful sentiment from our dad way back when that he was going to be able to bestow on us uh, some wealth or some sapphires. And they said, you know what? We're not going to just toss them away either. So just for the fun of it, they brought them to a jeweler and they said, hey, can you turn these stones into something? Um, a piece of jewelry for each of the three kids and, and for his wife. And the jeweler said, yeah, I'd be, I'd be happy to do that. And they're like, well, you know, how much is that going to cost? Because we know they're not worth anything. And the jeweler looked at him and he said, what do you mean they're not worth anything? They said, well, 
our dad was under the assumption that these were nothing, <laughs> that these were worthless, that these were cast-offs. The jeweler looked at them and said, no, these are, these are beautiful, um, real, and somewhat rare blue sapphires, <laughs> right? The kids already cherished what their dad left behind, but now they would be cut and beautified and had value far beyond what their dad ever thought that they would. I think there's good lesson in that for us as well. See, God takes us, maybe raw, uncut, <laughs> but in Christ, he hones us, he crafts us, he shapes us into something incredible and beautiful. Every time you hear that ironic blessing, these are the blessings that God desires for you, poured out on you, for you, on account of Christ. Amen.